welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator. I almost said I am in the laundry room. And with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, El Presidente, Dan Marcelo. Hello. Director de los Jóvenes, Scott Reed. And Boyo Loco Bill Calvin. Oh, yeah. Yes. Crazy chicken. What does that mean, man? Director of the young people. Of, of the young. Okay. The That's what I thought, because it didn't sound like anything related to music or worship, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I had a friend in Mexico who, uh, which is usually how your stories start, Dan, but I had a friend in Mexico <laughs> who, uh, he was 60 years old, but like a certain couple in this church, he looked like he was in his early thirties and uh, he almost got run over by like a taxi in the city. And the guy leaned out the window and was like, watch where you're going. Hoven. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, "Hmm, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's so sweet. Uh, uh, The young people in Mexico, they can go up to like 40 years old. It's as long as you're not married. Just like Timothy. Just like (laughs) Timothy. (laughs) Which was the exact opposite of what I did about a month ago. (laughs) What did you do? (laughs) There's a guy coming out of a plaza parking lot and he's not watching and I'm just about in front of him and so I look up and I say hey old man watch where you're going and he just you know he looked up and he is an old man you know that's all oh. I got is a t- hey old man watch it do you yell at people while you drive Bill no I'm not driving I'm running, oh. I'm running. and that's what's scary is that they you know, the pedestrian has the crosswalk. Yeah. No one seems to know that except me. You know? So I really am careful, but but it looks like they're stopping, and then, no, no, he's not stopping. He's going to run you over. Fair enough. Well, Bill, yeah. will you pray for us today? Sure. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. Seeing the sunshine and the temperature coming up, it does our spirits so much good. I thank you for this podcast and for all the has been happening over this last year, the joy of connecting with people, particularly in conversations afterward. Just bless your name. I pray you fill all of us with your Holy Spirit now, that we'd glorify you as we go about the business of this particular podcast. Amen. Amen. All right, Scott. All right. I found some good ones. You have four cards. I know. (laughs) Bill, would you rather share your home with... Oh, this is actually very relevant. Would you rather share your home with six 90-year-old men and six 90-year-old women or two ostriches? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'll take the 12 people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ostriches, woo, that would be a lot to handle. But then, you know, that's not like something of eternal value. God doesn't <laughs> command us to take care of those ostriches. And... You just sell them. I think that defeats the purpose of living with them. <laughs> um, Max, would you rather have eyeballs the size of golf balls or teeth the size of computer keys? <laughs> oh, oh, eyeballs the size of golf balls, to be sure. I wanted, I don't know how like a normal eyeball compares to a golf ball. You know, that's a good point. I feel like in my mind they're about the same, but I'm sure they're smaller. I think we're saying the eye hole is going <laughs> to be the be size like, of a golf ball. It yeah. says eyeballs. I know, but... <laughs> I mean, your your eyeball. Is I think we'd have inside to say, your head. So. I think it would be as proportionately larger to the current eye hole as a golf ball is to your eye. Yeah. All right. 
I'll take that. Yeah, yeah you don't want those computer teeth. No, they're not going to fit in my mouth. <laughs> no, they certainly wouldn't. That'd be a problem. Unless your mouth was proportionately as large. Well, larger. that's not what it says. Well, I mean, we made uh, the exception for the eye. Uh, what if it's a computer with If your eye holes are changing teeth. size. Ooh, yes. I'm with Dan. Two so, sizes. Two size. They're all space bars. <laughs> <laughs> but they're horizontal. <laughs> and tiny. This massive rack of space bars. We can bend would you rather to our will. Yes, we can. Apparently. God gave us dominion over these would you rather. <laughs> That's for you, Jonah. <laughs> Man, I think about that sometimes. Well, I've said that to some animals. Quick aside. It worked once. <laughs> quick aside. Uh, we used to do uh, young adults brunch back when you could go uh, to places in the world. Mm. We would do young adults brunch after Sunday service, oh, and Jonah right. came with us once. And I had been driving the bus. I get out of the bus, and a bee landed on my forehead and just sat there. Wow. And uh, and everyone's just kind of staring at me, and I don't notice. And eventually, like Max, you have a bee on your forehead, and so I like start freaking out. And Jonah Langendorfer, man of God, is like trying to calm me down, and he's like, Max, God gave you dominion over this bee. Like you don't need to be afraid of this bee. This bee is a part of God's beautiful creation. And I'm like, Jonah, I need you to get this bee on my forehead. And so what he does is he takes his bare hands, and he just gently lifts it off my forehead, carries it over to the grass, and just sets it down. Huh. And I was like, that's why he's the podcast president. <laughs> what a docile bee. The former podcast president. That's, that's right. True. The immediate past podcast president. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I think about that all the time. All and the time. All the time. <laughs> I will we were too. at a where were we? We were at like we were it was the fall, this past fall, and we went pumpkin picking. And there was like a zoo kind of at the pumpkin patch okay. and a giraffe. And I wanted the giraffe to come over to me. <laughs> and I said, giraffe, I have dominion over you. Come over here. And it did. <laughs> wow. All right. Although I'm at a 50% success rate. I also said that to a horse at a farm and it didn't listen. <laughs> so. Jonah Langendorfer. Um, Dan, would you rather um, have tufts of hair growing on your tongue or have tufts of hair growing on your nose? And you can't remove it. On your nose. On your nose. On your nose. You can't remove it? No hair removal, it says. I guess the tongue. Whoa. Wow. I don't know. No take backs, Dan. Yeah, I guess. Why not? They sound equally bad. No take backs, but I think that's the wrong answer. <laughs> I don't think there's really a good answer. You could style the hair on your nose. I don't know how you'll style it, well, but you could like lay it flat. If like, we wore masks for the rest of our existence, it wouldn't be a problem. That's right. True. I just don't want hair in my mouth. That's right. Either way, it's gross. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah. Um, would I rather have to use the toilet? That is com- unbelievably filthy and gross, or use one that's clean, but the water seems to—I feel like it's supposed to say be bubbling—seems to be bubbling in the bottom, and you sense that it's going to erupt with some kind of geyser effect. I'm going to go with a geyser because it's just—I just have it's this just like sense. feeling. You're just yeah, unsettled. Anything it sounds like it could be kind of like a bidet kind of experience. So. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Why not? Uh, today, Wednesday, February 17th, is the first day of Lent. Welcome Hooray. to the Lenten season, everyone. Yeah. Ash Wednesday. Can you uh, explain what Ash Wednesday and the Lenten season is, Dan? <laughs> I think you should ask Bill because I don't know. Can you explain what the Lenten season <laughs> and Ash Wednesday is, I know Bill? what the Lenten season is, but I don't know what Ash Wednesday exactly is. Bill? I'll look it up. Do we celebrate Ash Wednesday no. in this church? No, the Protestants no, it's, it's don't. A, it's, it's a Catholic, Catholic oh. celebration. Oh, and I good. really respect them That'd for be it because there's been times I've gone to LA Fitness and there's people with the mm-hmm. ashes on their forehead. Yeah. I remember seeing them on the news last year. Dan Roan from WGN Sports Department had them on his forehead as he gave the news. I thought, good for you. Huh. It All shows right. where he stands. 
Got some information. Okay. Ash Wednesday is a Christian holy day or prayer of prayer and fasting. It is preceded by Shrove Tuesday and falls on the first day of Lent, the six weeks of penitence before Easter. Ash Wednesday is traditionally observed by Western Christians. It is observed by Catholics in the Roman Rite, Anglicans, Lutherans, Methodists, Moravians, Nazarenes, and Independent Catholics, as well as by many from the Reformed faith, inclusive of the Congregationalist, Continental Reformed, and Presbyterian traditions, huh. and United Protestants. So we celebrated in the in the Presbyterian church I grew up in, we celebrated Ash Wednesday. Did you really? Yeah. So I... You weren't supposed to. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Boy, I hope you guys don't get kicked out. What? He just said to celebrate in the Presbytery. No, they do. No, yeah, they oh, do. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as it is the first day of Lent, many Christians begin Ash Wednesday by marking a Lenten calendar, praying a Lenten daily devotional, and making a Lenten sacrifice that they will not partake of until the arrival of Eastertide. Hmm. Ash Wednesday derives its name from the placing of repentance ashes on the foreheads of participants to either the words repent and believe in the gospel or the dictum remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. The ashes are prepared by burning palm leaves from the previous year's Palm Sunday celebrations. Yeah. Huh, that's yeah. neat. Um, there you go. <laughs> well, let's try again. <laughs> okay. Can someone explain what Lent is to me? Lent? The way that I always explain Lent, because I didn't grow up with Lent at our church. Like, we didn't really observe it in yeah. any meaningful way. Okay. But I always describe it as, it's like Advent to Christmas, Lent yeah. is to mm. Easter. It's okay. the season kind of leading up. It's observed very differently, um, but during which people just kind of prepare uh, to celebrate Easter, or during which the church prepares to celebrate Easter, I should mm. say. Um, so that's like a correlation that I think makes sense, sense mm -hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Makes people know what Advent is, usually. Sure. We celebrated Lent when I was a kid. It was always the, what are you going to give up this year? Mm. Something that you like doing or something that's valuable to you. And then so you can focus more on Christ in this season. Yeah. Be more spiritually minded. Usually I, my suggestion as a kid was candy. Let <laughs> 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 me give up candy. Do we celebrate Lent as a church? We do eat meat on Fridays. <laughs> Part of it is, part of Lent for the Catholics is seafood on Fridays. Oh. Fish. Do you know why? <sighs> Sorry, I should. I, I'm asking about all these Catholic things, and none of us are Catholic. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of other denominations on there. Uh, we got, we got plenty. Methodists. Of, we got to keep moving. Moravians. We got to keep moving. It is time once again for listener mail. Scott. Ding ding ding. Thank you very much for ringing the listener mail bell. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, and fish to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Uh, just like Eric did. This is the last of Eric's three questions that All he right. sent in. Hmm. Uh, so, listeners, it's time for the rest of you Eric to pick, pick up the slack because he's at, killing it. At a small group last week. I believe that. Eric's a great guy. Eric, ask those questions tonight, even though you won't hear this till Friday. <laughs> yeah. Eric asks, how do we tell people about our faith and how it is real without secular examples that they may not believe? Um, and I think what he's getting at is when there isn't like an, a direct analog to our faith or... Um, considering how the secular world or, or our modern secular world tends to view the sort of supernatural things, like what is the, the, the best and most honest way to, to share about our faith? This makes me think of, um, well, Bill, you were obviously here. I don't think you were here yet, Dan, or that you were back yet. Um, and I Max, I don't think I wasn't you born were. yet. Yeah. <laughs> Dan had not yet arrived in the world. He was born fully formed as the president of the podcast. <laughs> just like a year ago. Baby. Um, and Max, I don't think you were around either. So I think it was just me and Bill, but um, Jen H was here mm -hmm. um, sharing in a staff meeting and she was talking about 
um, sharing with um, Hindu people hmm. um, because that's obviously something that's close to her heart. And she was comparing Western, traditionally Western sort of ways of thinking with with more Eastern and obviously Hindu ways of thinking. And Western, uh, because we have a pretty linear view, traditionally pretty linear view of like life, um, it kind of was grounded in like objectivity sort of. Okay. But um, if I'm, this was like two years ago, so I'm doing my best to remember it, but it was super cool. Whereas in Eastern, their view of life is much more cyclical, you know, with a lot of, a lot of Eastern worldviews have reincarnation as sort of a part of it. And so like they just approach things and think about things very differently. Um, and she was actually making the point that, uh, because, well, because of that, um, they have less of a, a focus on like objectivity. That just means less to them. And it's hard to come at, hard to share the gospel with them from like an objective sort of stance. Hmm. Um, what she did say, I'll, I'll get to in a second, but she then went on to say that like the Western culture is actually starting to move a little bit more in line with this. And, and objectivity, I think we've all seen this, is losing some of its value and subjectivity is becoming much more important. Yeah. And so she said that a really effective way to reach um, Hindu people and probably increasingly effective in our society is to talk about like what you have experienced because of the gospel. Hmm. Uh, like people, it seems, are like very willing to hear about your story yeah. um, in this weird world that we live in now. Um, even in light of that, they'll, they'll still hear you out. It's like, this is my experience. Mm. Um, and so obviously, you know, there's like that whole risk of like, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. But it, it's, according to her, this seems like a, a more effective way of reaching people. So how can we share the gospel with people in, in our society? It sounds like maybe increasingly coming at it from like, a, this has been my experience. Mm. Um, and there was something about the wording of Eric's question that made me think of that. I, I've lost track of what it is, but... Sure, about how our faith is real. Yeah. When you say talking about your experience, can you like elaborate a little bit on... Because that can take a number of different forms. Yeah. I Again, I'm doing my best to, to sure. represent this. Well, even a, just how you interpret way. that. Yeah, what I would say is like, you know, I think everyone in this room, in the podcast room, and probably most people listening... Whatever room you're in at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're a believer, you've experienced you know, a uh, uh, sin in your life. Now, sin is a pretty churchy word, but you could just say like an action or a thought pattern that was hurtful or destructive that you really couldn't stop doing um, if you're talking to a secular person. But because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's impact on your life, you've seen progress or even like a complete removal of that action or thought pattern. Um, and that's like a really powerful testimony. Like I'm a different person because of Jesus in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that, you know, they might not fully understand and they might not be like, Oh, I want to be a Christian now, but like they can't refute that. Yeah. Um, actually that, that reminds me a lot of the book I've been reading, um, which is about work. Um, but, uh, one of the things they talk about is like self assessment is reliable data. Uh, which is not to say it's always accurate, but it's always useful. Hmm. Whereas assessment of others is never useful hmm. because people can't rate others effectively. Hmm. Um, but so they can't argue with your experience. Um, you know, it's just like, this is my reality. Uh, and so that's a useful, I think, place to come from. Uh, and, and I think it will increasingly be something that people will receive more readily than this is objective truth and you need to accept it, yeah. which is also true. Yeah. Um, 
you know, just because a society is moving away from that doesn't make it less true, mm. but it might make it less of an effective way of outreach. Um, but yeah, saying, you know, this is, I'm a different person now because of this. Um, it might become more and more effective. Hmm. Well, kind of tying into what Scott was saying, talking about your experience sharing vulnerably, I feel like is very important with people saying along, like this is my experience and this is what God did in my life. That was a, you know, not, not shying away from just saying that things that were hard and how you saw God move and work in it. I think sometimes people think Christians don't have problems hmm. or that, you know, that we just, or that we hide them away or don't yeah. talk about them that we show a different face. Yeah. Um, so just being honest saying it was, you know, this was a challenging part of my life and this is how I saw God at work and that's how he, mm. he changed my heart and, and obviously not in those words and making it sound a little bit churchy, but, yeah. but just being honest that, Hey, things aren't, my life weren't perfect. And this is how God met me in my kind of brokenness and helped me in my, my pain and yeah. suffering. Yeah. I think that is, a, that's appealing because we all have areas of, challenge and suffering in our lives mm. so people to see that that christians aren't above that like that that's attractive to people mm. well what do you say for how to tell people about how our faith is real well i think the subjective side of it has become more important mm. and i think of how revivals happen and the ones that i've at least gotten a little taste of they're totally personalized it's very little Bible preaching, it's a great deal of testimonials. Mm. And people poo-poo that sometimes, saying, oh, it's just one testimony after another. But that's what ignited people. Mm. And you look at Acts chapter 2, Peter's preaching a Bible sermon, and it's a testimonial combined. Mm -hmm. Boy, he was bold, too. That came out this morning on WMBI radio that looking at a hostile audience and telling them, you crucified the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit convicted them of sin, and they asked, what shall we do? Mm-hmm. But it could have turned the other way, too, that, and we're going to kill you, too, Peter. Right. It was a moment of truth for all those people. Mm-hmm. If they had killed him, the gospel still would have gone on. Yeah. It would just have a different Acts chapter 2 story. Makes you think also of the <clears throat> Samaritan woman in John 4. Yes. <laughs> woman at the well. So, yeah. Step by step, getting those Bible references. Um, <laughs> you know, where she she had the conversation with Jesus at the well, and she went down to the to the town and said, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. And I think largely it was her kind of testimony of what had happened mm-hmm. that, that led to the whole town being saved. Yeah. Makes me think of that guy that was filled with a lot of demons, Jesus heals him. The demons go into the pigs, and he says, "I want to follow you." Jesus says, "No, no, no. Go and tell everyone what the Son of Man has done for you." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you come back two chapters later in that gospel to the it's same Mark, right? place. Yes, and a crowd, instead of chasing Jesus away from town, a crowd comes mm-hmm. to him because that man had told them, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. they wanted to find out about Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before we get into topic of the week, uh, it is time once again for what is going on, the part of the show uh, where we take a look at a passage of Scripture and discuss what is going on. This week, I want to read uh, 2 Corinthians 12 to you, verses uh, 6 through, let's say, 9. 
This is uh, from the NIV. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Um, do we know what Paul is referring to when he talks about the thorn in his flesh? I think I've heard a couple different possible explanations about it. Some people suggest it's a, it was an eye problem. Mm-hmm. Why is that? I think it's it's kind of it's referenced elsewhere yeah. about his eyesight. Galatians, yeah, Galatians. Because he said to the Galatians, the large, you letters. would have torn your oh. very eyes out oh. and given, given them, them to me. Them. That's right. Yeah. And then he also says, "See, this is my writing. It's it's, so it's large. in large." Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I read that this morning. Print. Yeah. Right. So he must have had some pretty bad eyes. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. I I wanted to ask. I was reading this the other day and the thought occurred to me that what if the thorn in his flesh is not so much of a physical thing, but more of like a, 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 a mental or, a, or an emotional thing. And what if that thorn in his flesh was the memory of all the people that he, that he killed? Mm. And he's, cause he references plenty of times, especially to Timothy, you know, he references the sort of this ghost or just like this, this memory of, of the life that he had before he knew Jesus. And he always ends it by saying like, the reason I am saved is to show that if I can be saved, anyone can be saved. But when I read the response from God that my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness, the fact that he's saying my grace is sufficient makes me feel like it's guilt, right? Makes me feel like that thorn in him is, is something that you know, is something that chases him when he's trying to sleep, right? And something that gets in his way when he's, you know, trying to worship and trying to be with God. I, I don't think it's that at all. Go on. And the reason is, the Bible also speaks of being cleansed of a guilty conscience. Mm. And Paul buys into that wholeheartedly. Mm. So if he's feeling guilty, then he's really living in opposition to the very scriptures he subscribes to. Mm. I don't think he would do that. Sure. So can you speak more to that? Well, I wish I could pull up that reference in my mind of about the being cleansed of a guilty conscience. Yeah. If I had some time, I'm sure I could find it through Bible gateway or a concordance. I get the impression when we hear phrases like, if the son of man shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. Mm-hmm. That Paul's saying, amen. You know, I, I am freed from my past. Mm. I am clothed. I mean, Paul was the one that wrote, being clothed in robes of righteousness. Yeah. That he is clean before God. Mm. So that, that brings up an interesting side point that ties to this. And the Bible never speaks of being able to forgive yourself. Mm. And the reason why it doesn't, I believe, is because when we do true business with God and we experience his forgiveness, we in turn come to the place where we also forgive ourselves instead of saying, well, God may forgive me, but I am not going to forgive myself. Yeah. I'm going to work in opposition to God Almighty. 
So I, I don't really think Paul's got a guilty conscience that's causing him to have that as his thorn in the flesh. Mm. And it seems like this is a spiritual principle that people that are mightily used of God have oftentimes some sort of physical problem that keeps them humble. Mm -hmm. uh, Warren Wiersbe is a wonderful Bible expositor, but the poor man is just so afflicted because of diabetes. He's really got to be careful. But he's one of just a whole slew of people. So I think about my own self and I say, I guess you're never going to amount to much in the kingdom. <laughs> Your health is just so good. <laughs> well, that answers, that kind of answers my second question. Scott, did you have the reference that? Uh, I found a couple, uh, okay. both of them in Hebrews, which seem to address specifically what Bill was saying. One yeah. is Hebrews 9.14 which is how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hmm. And then one is Hebrews 10, 22, let That's us draw right. near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hmm. Hmm. So you think you would say that uh, once Paul is, or anyone, but in this instance, Paul, once Paul is offered that grace and he accepts it and, and he accepts it to the full extent that he can as a human, then he doesn't feel, I mean, he feels, does he feel anything about, about his past life? Like, does he feel presumably remorse? Maybe not, but like you're saying like, you know, not a guilty conscience. I imagine his experience is something like mine. You think back to some sin you committed and you're still sorry for it. Mm -hmm. You've been forgiven. Mm. You've moved on. Mm. But, but you can't erase that memory from your mind. It's yeah. still there. Yeah. And, and actually, that keeps you humble, too. Hmm. So I'm sure Paul thought back to Stephen preaching, being stoned. He's watching the coats so that people can throw their stones even harder at Stephen. I'm sure that bothers him. And yet at the same time, he's thinking, man, that was a powerful message. It was the message of grace. I needed it. Hmm. So there is this back and forth, but I don't really think he was losing sleep because mm. he had been a sinner. So if I'm someone who is kept up at night by my past sin, by my guilt, what can I do to let go of that and to more fully experience mercy? I'll tell you something that helps me. I think I even prayed this with you on two occasions, one right here, after the podcast was over and once at the staff meeting, but getting on my knees and beginning with, I am a child of God. And, mm -hmm. and then following that through, God created me in his bidding image. But when I get to that point about the cross, he clothed himself in human flesh. He went to the cross and all of my sins were nailed to his body on the cross. He redeemed me. He cleansed me. He set my life on a rock. Having that as a reminder goes a long way toward helping me just move forward and not mm. live in the past. Mm. And I think it also connects with our topic of the week. Yeah, it does. <laughs> temptation, because that could be a real temptation for a lot of folks, and I'm yeah. sure for all of us at times to go back to where we've messed up and almost want to dwell in that, mm. and then almost miss out on some things that God wants to do because we get hyper-focused on what we did or what mm. when, when God is saying, hey, 
I'm over here. I've already forgiven you. I, I, your sins are removed as far as east is from the west. Mm. Yes. Don't, don't be here. Don't live in this place. Right? That can be a temptation. Mm. I, I got to give credit to Satan. Satan knows that devout Christians are going to be hard on themselves. Mm. So we fall into sin and we don't recover from it real fast because our consciences are tender. And yet the weakness of that is then we say, oh, I'm not really worthy to teach this Sunday school class, to sing this soul, to preach this sermon, to pray with the prayer team. I'm not worthy. Well, okay. When will you be worthy? Yeah. Is it going to be a week from now, two weeks from now? Mm-hmm. Nobody can put their finger on something like that. So the real answer is, I am worthy after I've repented. Just the, in that moment, I'm worthy because God said so, not because of mm. my doings. Mm. God said so, and God has something for me to do right now. Yeah. And he, he's not waiting for me to get past my two weeks of probation before mm. I can effectively pray for this person. Yeah. Well, I think that will take us into Topic of the Week. Topic of the Week this week is brought to you once again by the Young Adults Bible Study. Mm. Billy Graham famously said, It is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, my job to love, and your job to attend the Young Adults Bible Study at Bloomingdale Church. (laughs) There we go. If you are between the ages of 18 and 29-ish or maybe 30 or something, we want to help you make good on Reverend Graham's advice. Come be a part (laughs) of the community of believers and seekers as we learn how to love Jesus more fully and go through some of life's most challenging years together. The Young Adults Bible Study, every Wednesday night, in person, in the coffee house. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash adults to learn more. As Dan already said, this week we're talking about, uh, really about temptation. But let's continue that conversation by asking that question of how can I overcome temptation? Um, to restate the question that we, that we ended the last segment on of, you know, um, mm-hmm. if I am... Uh, kept awake by guilt, as we're kind of framing it now, giving into and dwelling in guilt is itself a form of temptation, right? Is itself a, a willingness to believe in our own sort of the power of our sin over the power of, of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of coming face to face with our own weakness of saying, I'm not, I can't, I'm too scared to believe mm-hmm. <laughs> that God is stronger than than who I've been or what I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we overcome temptation? Uh, and, and we can start there and then broaden it out to, to all kinds of temptation. But I want to start, you know, right where we're at right now. On my personal Bible reading, I think, I think it was yesterday morning, this jumped off the page at me from Mark chapter 14, hmm. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples who are falling asleep on the job, literally. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, come with me. Let's, let's pray. Stay up with me a little while. He's going through complete and utter anguish praying that the, that the Father would take away this yeah. need to suffer and die and, you know, ultimately submitting and yielding to the Father's will, which was that he would go to the cross and die. And there the disciples are just sleeping on the job. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus says to them, he returned to the disciples, found them sleeping. He said, Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And that got me thinking about the combination of watching and praying. The idea of being watchful and just spiritually watchful and mindful of where you put yourself. If you know that, you know, pornography is 
an issue. You don't be alone with the computer. If, you know, gambling, you have someone help hold you responsible with your credit cards and don't let you go to the casino. Hmm. And of course I'm generalizing, Yeah. but like watching, watching for what the triggers are for you hmm. and being really aware, like hyper aware of what those are, hmm. um, or, or just being careful what situations you put yourself in that could lead you into temptation. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's patterns. There really are. I mean, you pointed out some of them and yeah. when you take sin real seriously and say, I'm really going to fight this, you begin to notice, huh, this keeps happening about the same time mm -hmm. on such and such a day. Mm -hmm. All right, so I've really got to get on my A game on that day and at mm -hmm. that time and have a plan so that yeah. I can avoid the temptation. And if the temptation comes anyway, so that I can defeat the temptation. Mm -hmm. I, I read this really neat book earlier this year called Overcoming Temptation by Bruce yeah. Wilkinson. Mm. Break away from captivity and embrace God's freedom. And he had a chart on page 78. He says there are 50 sins delineated in the Bible. And he put it in the form of this box chart. And his good news was, look at this list and see how many of them you're tempted to commit. And so I looked, and it, it was hardly any. You know, it was like two, three. I thought, man. That... And so I kept reading. He says, see, I bet it was five or less. Huh. <laughs> like, well, well, you're right. And so let me read a few of them, and you'll see what he's getting at. How many of you are attempting to brawling, bribery, jealousy, astrology, kidnapping, rioting, hater of God? You think, well, I haven't really been tempted but to go out brawling. <laughs> <laughs> now, then, then there's some others that their mind as well as body, uh, fornication, lust, mm -hmm. greed. So we'll just take greed for a minute. You can go long stretches without really feeling the need for greed. Yeah. But, it, but it will come up. It, it is a true sin. It's considered one of the seven deadly sins. Mm. But I really like this point of, look, this is not as overwhelming as you think to fight mm. sin because you're not fighting all 50 simultaneously. You're, there's just probably a couple that are hitting you hard mm -hmm. and they're just at certain times. Mm -hmm. So then he had this one really cool idea. He said, look at the scriptures. In John, it tells you that the Holy Spirit is coming. He is the comforter. When the sinful temptation comes, pause and pray for the comforter to come and bring you comfort. And he, then he went on to say, I guarantee you, the Holy Spirit will show up within two minutes mm. and enable you to sense his comfort and to overcome that temptation. Mm. I thought, boy, this sounds like it's too good to be true. Then he goes on to say, I have taught thousands of people this and thousands of people have gotten back to me and said, this is amazing. Mm. He does show up. That's cool because that lines up with what Jesus said, watch and pray. Right. That prayer is a huge component of that too, that it's, it's not just, you can't only have one without the other. You can't just be on your guard mm -hmm. and not be like prayed up and praying that God would help you. Yeah. You can't just be praying, but then not be like vigilant about it. That wouldn't make sense either. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, isn't it God who overcomes sin in us? 
Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. like it's us who right. actually wins the fight. It's mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit in us and uh, and God on our behalf. Mm-hmm. So if we're just watching, then we'll just have a front row seat to us being destroyed by sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have to watch right. and pray. And and what do we pray then? What do we pray in those moments? Well, I really like what Bill was just sharing. In my experience, I don't remember where I heard this, but... Um, and I'm, I may have actually mentioned this on the podcast in the last month or two, but um, I was talking to someone about temptation and, and they were saying, you know, if you imagine that it's like a traffic light, right? And you're trying to just like conjure up like that image of, you know, the sin is the traffic light. A green light means you do it. A red light means you don't do it. And you're just like really focusing on that red light. You're still focusing on the sin, mm-hmm. right? And you're focusing on your ability to like hold yourself back from it. Mm-hmm. But I think praying, you know, not even praying, obviously it's, it's good to pray whatever and, and just be with God. And, and if you're in temptation, just pray. Cause like that, it's, it's hard enough as it is. Yeah. Um, but I think even praying like, Lord, you know, defeat this temptation in me, like you're still kind of focusing on the sin, but I love, it's like send the Holy spirit to like comfort me. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about me and this sin, like it's about God. And that's the, in my experience, that's the, the cure, so to speak for temptation. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about you. It's not about trying hard enough or resisting or coming up with just the right plan. Like those things help, yeah. but they will not eradicate the sin. The only thing that really does is, is God. Yeah. And so I think anything that you can do in that moment to connect with God is going to be the solution. And that's not, that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember there have been times in my life where I knew that and I'm like, this is what, this is my plan. Yeah. When this temptation arises, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And like in that moment, you feel a temptation. I felt the temptation. It's like, I should just like read my Bible. I should just whatever. But then the temptation becomes to not do that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is, and I, that's probably, you know, in those instances that Satan trying to keep you away from the most powerful thing you have. Mm. Um, so I, I think, yeah, praying, praying to God for like his presence, mm-hmm. um, is probably one of the most powerful yeah. things that you can do to, to really fight temptation. And I think praying that he'll reveal his presence to us, right? Like, yeah. I know you're here and I know you hear me, yeah. or at least I've been taught that you're here and I've been taught mm-hmm. that, that you hear me, but would you please like, let me believe it. Help me mm-hmm. feel that you're here and let me know that you're that you hear my prayers, that I'm not alone and that like, I'm not alone in this fight. Yeah. Something powerful too. And not to take away from connecting with God and praying to God. I think that's huge. It's probably the most important component, but even just telling someone, Hey, I'm struggling with this temptation. Mm-hmm. Someone, you know, that you trust, that you love that, you know, isn't going to, that you know, it's not going to drag you into that temptation too. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, to say, Hey, I'm really, I'm struggling with this right now. Would you pray for me? Yeah. Even a text, a, phone call, if you live with the person, with your spouse, to say, hey, I'm, I just want to be honest with you. This is really hard for me right now. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times will kind of break that power of yeah. sin over you because I think Satan, one of Satan's goals in sin is want you to believe that you're the only one, that you're so horrible, you're the only one that struggles with this and how could you? And, yeah. and that kind of, there's power, like in the book of James talks us about you know confessing our sin one to another and being healed. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think there's real power in that of saying, "Hey, I'm really being tempted by this. Can you do something to help me?" Yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish God's role in it, which is obviously bigger than that of a person. Yeah. Well, but that was direction from God. True. Yeah. That is the holy scripture from God. Mm-hmm. 
So Craig Rochelle, I watched a great YouTube sermon of his yesterday, which is very pointed. Your battle against pornography, something like that. Yeah. And he's preaching this to the whole church. It wasn't like a men's group meeting. So I mm -hmm. thought, huh. So there were women in the congregation, of course, and he's preaching to both. And it's so heavy that about halfway through the sermon, he says, okay, I know I'm really coming out. So it's just like, let's just breathe. Ready? Because <laughs> <sighs> I thought, boy, he is right. This is intense. Mm. This is mm. really intense, like some kind of a men's retreat instead of a mm. worship service. Yeah. But he came to the end of his message and he had five things. And I can't remember all five of them, but he said, here are the actions that you should take. First mm. is confess to God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. But his second point was confess to another person. And then he quoted what Dan just quoted. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. All right. Because there's healing that has to happen. We'll just stay with pornography because that's what his sermon was about. But the fact that you've looked at it has wounded you. You're not mm -hmm. the same now that you've looked at it. Yeah. And he was hearkening all the way back to when he was 10 or 11 years old. One of his buddies at school says, hey, you got to see what, what's at my house. <laughs> he had found his dad's stash of pornography. Mm -hmm. So he takes Craig Rochelle to his house and they look at it and Craig says, you know, this is just a 10 or 11 year old boy. He's just, I could feel something like, wow, you know, this is exciting. And, and, and you know, it's just something that just comes over him. Mm -hmm. And, and so he, he realizes that he is not the same mm -hmm. really from that point on because mm -hmm. he's been wounded yeah. due to this pornographic material. Yeah. But this is a great insight. That, and, th and that's why he quotes James 5, 16, and pray for one another that you may be healed, healed from your wound. Mm. But, mm. Oh, yeah. So it was, it's, it's on YouTube, and if you just put in Craig Grishel and like War Against Pornography sermon, yeah. I, I recommend it. I just thought, man, this guy really, really knows the scriptures, knows the sin. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. is, is really speaking to the matter as clearly as it can be spoken to. Yeah. Can we give like a last word to anybody who's listening who um, is struggling with temptations, whether those are temptations that are routine or very acute, um, whether it's something that they've never been tempted before or about or, or something mm -hmm. that they've been tempted about for 40 years. Mm. Um, if you're tempted, you're alive. Hmm. And if you're a Christian and you're tempted, don't don't beat yourself up. It shows that Satan sees you as a threat. Mm. And he mm. he's throwing these temptations in front of you. They're also coming from within because we do have sinful natures. That yeah. this is normal. This is not something to be ashamed of. Jesus Christ was tempted far more severely than we are. Mm. Far more. Any temptation we face... He had it probably a hundredfold. And I think, my gosh, how did he ever do it? But, but he did it. He, he lived a sinless life. And that's why mm. when he went to the cross and had all those sins 
nailed to the cross with him. He's the one that we're to look to. Mm. He's our deliverer. Yeah. He's our only hope. Yeah. And he took those sins with him to the grave, and then he defeated them when he raised himself from the dead. Mm. And now he's at the right hand of God, interceding for us all the time. So just know that our part is to be in the battle and to not give up, Amen. to, to mm. do the stuff he showed us to do. And then when we sin, and we will, I, I don't want to paint any picture that, you know what, read this book, Overcoming Temptation, and you will never sin again. That, that mm. is not true. Mm-hmm. I think I was more sorely tempted after reading this book. Mm. Uh, our part is to say, I'm getting on my knees and I'm confessing this to God, and I'm going to build a hedge of protection around me with my Christian friends. I'm going to do what I can to fight this sin successfully, and I'm going to take it seriously. Marathoning has really helped me with this mindset that mm. I think of how much attention I give to all the things that lead to having a strong race. I think this honors God to, to put this kind of energy into fighting temptation and becoming mm. more like Jesus. And even though I fail, I fail at marathoning too. It's, it's, <laughs> it, that's part of being human. Yeah. But, but it honors God to say, I'm, I'm really giving it a go here, and I'm not going to give up. Amen. So be encouraged. I mean, I know there's some people listening just saying, oh, yeah, man, I just did it this morning. You know, well, yeah. confess and just keep short accounts with God and, Amen. and, and watch. Watch what's going to happen. Mm. Per- particularly, the part that Dan brought up is really important. You've got to confess it to somebody with skin on him too. It, yeah. There's just unbelievable power in that. I remember doing that with David years ago and David, our pastor, and how this like dinosaur that was in my life just shrank down to being a little field mouse. And it's like, wow, that is really something. Mm-hmm. Confession is such a core part of our faith. It's inherent yeah. to our faith. Because yeah. if we won't admit to what we've done... How can we ask for forgiveness for it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. very true. Um, amen. Uh, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and uh, what, do you, what do you think, Scott? Don't send, Don't send it to the email, <laughs> but come and talk to one of us and confess your sins. True. We would love to pray with you. True that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm. For our closing segment this week, it is time once again for bets. Last week, we asked what the combined attendance and listenership of our four respective ministries would be, Bill's Alpha Group, Scott's Young Adults Bible Study, Dan's Young Families Group, and how many people would listen to the last week's podcast episode. Uh, I have to admit, I may have fudged the numbers a little bit uh, because I finished editing the podcast about a day late. Uh, But regardless, Dan said 85 total people. Scott said 75. Bill said 73. I said 59. There were a combined 63 attendees in all, uh, largely because the podcast went up late. But that means (laughs) that I am once again victorious, stretching my winning streak to two weeks. So thank you. So I've got my my jelly beans here from last week. I've got my jelly beans here from this week. And I'll sit here and look Dan in the eye. So that's eye. what you're giving up for Lent, isn't it? The uh, jelly beans? I'm going to give up us having bets for Lent, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Dan, that's all the time that we have this week. Indeed. These, these jelly beans are delicious. <clears throat> that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. 
Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you, Max. Dan, while I chew these delicious jelly beans, will you take <laughs> us home? Should I do my presidential one or my non You're the boss, man. Right. Presidential. For sure. mm-hmm. I don't know what that means. Live from Bloomingdale, it's Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> nice. <laughs>